In the past four years, there have been five people who have performed the duties of city manager in Charlottesville. By November 3rd, there will be a sixth. On this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement, coverage of the decision of city manager Chip Boyles to leave with some background about how we got here. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Also on today's show, the Charlottesville Economic Development Authority reauthorizes a performance agreement with the Piedmont Housing Alliance for the redevelopment of Friendship Court, and the city prepares for its next round of climate adaptation planning. In today's Patreon Field shoutout, the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign is an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in yards, farms, public spaces, and gardens in the Northern Piedmont. The leaves have started to fall as autumn sets in, as they do, and this is a good time to begin planning for the spring. Native plants provide habitat, food sources for wildlife, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them that Lonnie Murray sent you. The main story in this installment of the program is the resignation of Chip Boyles as city manager. But that's not the only thing that has happened this week. The Charlottesville Economic Development Authority has reauthorized a performance agreement with the Piedmont Housing Alliance for a loan for the redevelopment of Friendship Court. Piedmont Housing Alliance would pay the money back through the incremental tax revenue the city would get from a more intense residential development. Here's Economic Development Director Chris Engel. Typically... Our performance agreements are done to encourage business development, uh, job creation, capital investment uh, that creates office space or an industrial building. In this case, the public good, if you will, is is the rehabilitation and addition of public, uh, not public, but um, affordable housing uh, that will be owned and managed on a long-term basis by Piedmont Housing Alliance. The city is currently considering using this tool to finance improvements to Stribling Avenue. This is also a similar mechanism to one that was proposed by the owner of the Skeleton Landmark Hotel. In this case, the 11.75-acre property is assessed at $8.185 million this year, which yields $77,714 in property taxes for the city. When the first phase of redevelopment is completed, the value is projected to be over $20 million, which Engel said would bring in an additional $190,000. Piedmont Housing Alliance would get that increase through a transfer from the Economic Development Authority. This is a very complicated, complex deal um, to, to get this to all come together. This is separate from the nearly $16 million in capital funds city taxpayers will contribute to all four phases of redevelopment. Under this agreement, Piedmont Housing Alliance would collect the funding up to $6 million. There's not a profit-making opportunity here for for anybody, but it's an opportunity to see um, additional affordable housing added to to the city and an old uh, site uh, that needs rehabilitation. The EDA approved the reauthorization with little debate on Tuesday. The original agreement was written up by former city attorney John Blair before he became the acting city manager after former city manager Teron Richardson resigned. Engel said the Piedmont Housing Alliance is ready to begin construction. The PHA website has not been updated with information about redevelopment since last October, when a December 2020 start date for construction was expected. More information as it comes in. 
Charlottesville's efforts to create a climate adaption plan move forward this month with a community forum to get input on potential threats from more extreme weather patterns. The October 25th event will be the first steps for the city to complete a climate vulnerability assessment. Here's Susan Elliott, the city's climate protection program manager. As part of the city's climate action efforts, it has committed to developing a plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and a plan to prepare and respond to our changing climate. Participants are being asked to review a webinar recorded on October 7th, where representatives from the group ICLE described Charlottesville's projected climate hazards and gave an overview of the process. Another pre-forum webinar will be held tomorrow, and you can register for that in the newsletter. The community forum is on October 25th, and it begins at 5.30 p.m. Charlottesville City Council will have to appoint someone to serve as city manager as of Monday, November 1st. The five-member elected body held an emergency-closed session Tuesday afternoon to discuss urgent personnel matters. Here's City Councilor Heather Hill. Um, I move that we accept the resignation of Chip Boyles, effective October 29th, 2021, um, per the letter that he has sent to council. Council voted 5-0 to zero to accept the resignation, but there was no sense yet of who would take over as city manager. There are two deputy city managers who were hired by Boyles, both of whom have a collective tenure of seven months. Ashley Marshall has been deputy city manager for racial equity, diversity, and inclusion since May, and Sam Sanders has been deputy city manager for operations since August. Before we get back to Boyles, there was also news of another person leaving city government. In an earlier motion, Hill disclosed the departure of the city's information technology director, Sonny Huang. He's served in that position since September of 2018, according to his LinkedIn profile, which has not yet been updated. There are also vacancies at the top of the Parks Department and the Public Works Department. Back to Boyles. Boyles was hired in January to replace John Blair, who served as interim city manager after Dr. Teron Richardson resigned in September. In his resignation letter, Boyles said he had been hired to help the organization get back on its feet after a time of turbulence and organizational instability. This success was disrupted with my decision to change the leadership of the city police department. I continue to support my decision taken on this matter, but the vitriol associated with this decision of a few vocal community members and the broken relationship with Mayor Walker have severely limited my ability to be productive toward the goals of city council. Boyles said personal and professional attacks from Walker and others were beginning to hurt his mental health. He resigned to protect himself and his family. To recap, Boyles terminated the contract of Chief Rochelle Brackney on September 1, 2021, triggering a ferocious outcry from Walker. Walker spent much of the September 7th meeting using her privileges as mayor to force a conversation about the topic. For context, go back and listen to the September 8th edition of this newsletter. The audio for this next section of this newsletter is all from the October 4th, 2021 meeting of council and the last hour or so of the meeting. The agenda listed a formal discussion of the matter at the conclusion of other business. Boyles defended his decision again, which was his alone to make under the city's charter. 
Boyles said Brackney had moved the department toward being a more just and fair system, but said surveys conducted by the Police Benevolence Association and internal surveys indicated low morale. Uh, it became, you know, to me, evident that some type of a change needed to be made, that while we'd been making strides in one area, the implementation into the department itself with the officers was at jeopardy. That soundbite comes from an 11-minute explanation that Boyles gave. For some more background, I refer you to the August 20th response from the city to those surveys. That statement described the resignations of two members of the SWAT team and the termination of a third. What followed next were questions from the rest of council. Councillor Michael Payne said he was concerned about the timing of the incident. It has to be stated that, one, the PBA is an organization, is one that is not friendly to reform, like those organizations across the country are not friendly to officers being disciplined and held accountable for mistreatment. Vice Mayor Cena McGill said she wanted Boyles to write down his vision for the city. I have seen the team that you're building in City Hall. Um, I believe that you are focused on a team that wants to bring Charlottesville into 21st century practices on a lot of things, um, including a teamwork environment. Here's Councillor Heather Hill. We're not condoning any of, of, the, of the behaviors that were rightfully um, dealt with um, within the police department and that we are committed to a very different way of policing in the city of Charlottesville. In his comments on October 4th, Councillor Lloyd Snook referred to a closed session meeting from mid-August after the disciplinary actions described in that statement were made. When Chief Brackney explained to us in closed session on August 16th, I believe it was, uh, what the evidence was of the SWAT team officer's conduct, uh, showed us a few snippets of videos, did not show us everything. Uh, but I think every counselor in the room, every senior management person in the room uh, was satisfied with the chief's decision. Snook said the city manager has the right and power to fire the police chief. The issue, the only issue for us, quite frankly, is whether we fire the city manager for firing the police chief. On October 4th, Snook said the answer was no. But for Mayor Nakaya Walker, the answer was not no. Walker used her time to ask Boyles a series of pointed questions, including this one about internal surveys. Like, how did you arrive from looking at the surveys that the chief was the issue based on those surveys? Well, it was, it was, most of the survey was built around the command staff. And answers were regarding the individual command staff, but it was an, it was just an overall leadership from both the questions that were um, included in the survey and then the chance for the officers to comment. Let's skip ahead a little to another section. So these issues arose and you didn't afford her a conversation to talk with her about the issues um, that you had come to learn and create a plan with her to rectify those issues. Right. I did in one of our meetings um, after a lot of this started becoming evident, 
I asked her about preparing a plan to try to address some of these, these items. Um, the response was that a plan just really wasn't needed. And what did I have in mind to put into a plan? Boyle said that was not his area of expertise. Let's skip ahead. Walker quoted from the September 17th op-ed that Boyles had written for the Daily Progress. So the immediacy of the decision in the op-ed piece, you wrote that the um, CPD was gripped in chaos. Yes, it was my my understanding that some of the the leadership positions were not going to be staying if if actually if Chief Brackney were staying. This line of questioning continued. Walker said her information said only two of six members of the police department's command staff were set to leave. So you consider two of six people chaos? Because, I, I mean, at this point, I don't even know. I have notes. <laughs> but it doesn't even yeah. there's a point to these notes. No, I think, it, no, it, it extends beyond. It's It's the statements from the surveys of people looking for other jobs, wanting to be out of the police department. It's, it's so a Chip, combination. There, there, there is no smoking gun, I, I oh. think, in this. Walker went through many of the comments and read through them out loud, one by one. She also wanted to pin down Boyles on what conversations he had with regional leaders about policing issues. Boyles said those conversations were private and in confidence. Okay, Chip, so since all of these people are secretive and you think that's okay, because would you want us to make a decision about whether you stayed here or not based on some random conversations we had without talking to you about them? That's a decision you all. I, As I stated earlier, I'm here to, to fulfill the direction of counsel. I took this job knowing. I think I've even stated For me, there's a job evaluation every other meeting. I accept that. The questioning continued. At one point, there was to have been a press conference after the release of the August 20th statement. And then Chief Brackney arrives at a meeting, right, Chip? And you have changed course by that time, that there's no longer going to be a press conference. Yes, we had a disagreement over wanting to show the videos that you also saw in your closed session. A little later on in the cross-examination, Councillor Heather Hill brought a specific incident related to how former police chief Brackney responded to one particular piece of feedback. Go back to the tape to learn more about that, but Walker asked Hill to read the email in question. Okay, do you want to pull that email up? I'm happy to find it. The public thinks about that. It's necessary right now, but I'm happy to find it. I'm just saying, like, you just are trying to pick specific examples. I don't want to go down this path with you. I'm not. I was open to whatever you all presented. I asked and allowed you all to talk first because I'm just trying to be respectful. Okay. Excuse me. We're trying to be respectful of the process. This is not the appropriate forum to get into all of this. You are not trying to be respectful of any process. I have been on this council with you. I know how you operate. I'd like for us to move on. The conversation went back to that meeting after the August 20th press release. Boyles explained the dynamic that was leading him to make a decision. That meeting was was a good indication, um, similar to, to what uh, Councillor Hill was just talking about, where when we began to disagree over the videos and and other issues, uh, Chief Brackney just left the meeting. 
Mm-hmm. Um, which again gave me concern of you know being able to to work and with with that type of of interactions with that type of relationship. Boyles acknowledged that Brackney had told him that she had felt targeted by members of the community as well as internally in the police department. But you know my knowledge of that comes from what she's told me and 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 I believe certainly believe it to be true. Walker said she was clear she was not going to let Boyles forget his decision to terminate Brackney. I can go on about every city manager that has been here. And you're never going to, and I told you this, Chip, you're never going to live past this decision. Soon after, Walker quoted from the book White Rage to make part of her point and chastised her fellow counselors for trying to control her. And so, yes, have I made 100% of the right decisions? No. Have you all made 100% of the right decisions? No, you haven't. But again, your white gaze gets to determine who wins in a situation like this. Earlier this year, Walker wrestled with whether to seek a second term before announcing in May that she would be a candidate. She withdrew from the race on September 8th, citing what she said was the racism of her fellow counselors. Walker raised no campaign funds this year. The conversation on October 4th continued, and the rest of that discussion is available to watch. Now, it's perhaps a better use of our time to think ahead to Council's next meeting on October 18th, as well as the four remaining regular meetings of the year. Two new councillors will join in January, when Walker and Hill's terms are up. Who will be the city manager? Who will be the mayor? Who will be running the city? And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Uh, I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, for another edition of this program. And um, thank you for listening. And please send it on to somebody else if you think that uh, they would enjoy listening to this program. In the meantime, stay safe. 